The Valle de Guadalupe in Baja California is Mexico's premier wine country, a lush valley with over 150 wineries. Go if you have a chance. I have, and it makes Napa seem as gorgeous as a parking lot. But go fast if you're interested. A lot of development is coming to the Valle, and many locals aren't happy. I'm Gustavo Ariano. You're listening to The Times, daily news from the LA Times. It's Monday, November 1st, 2021. Today, we're going to travel to this beautiful contested space with two experts. Javier Cabral is the editor of LA Taco and wrote about a recent anti-development protest there. And we'll also speak with Javier Plasencia. He's a pioneering chef who has seen Valle grow and wants the world to come in, but to do so in a sustainable way. I'm more of a bourbon guy myself, but I've been to the Valle de Guadalupe a couple of times. Gorgeous place, about four hours south of Los Angeles. Great wines, incredible restaurants, and affordable compared to wine areas in the U.S. It's a great deal, and more Americans are finding out about it. Vintners have been at their craft here for over a century, but the Valle exploded in popularity only in the past 30 years and became really happening in the past decade. And because of that, developers are buying up land and want to make it even more of a travel destination. But in early October, hundreds of locals, winemakers, hospitality workers, residents, restaurateurs, they marched along Valle's main highway, which is known as La Ruta del Vino, the wine highway. They protested a planned concert that would have brought in tens of thousands of people over one day. The message they carried on banners was simple. Si a la agricultura, no a los eventos masivos. Yes to agriculture, no to massive events. Javier Cabral wrote about the protest. He's the editor of L.A. Taco and has covered the culinary scene in Valle for a couple of years. Javier, welcome to The Times, and what's up? What's up, Gustavo? Nothing much, man. Okay, so I've been to the Valle. You've been to the Valle. Describe the Valle, the landscape, the wine, the everything. So the Valle de Guadalupe is about 20 minutes before you hit Ensenada. It's about an hour after Tijuana, so 70 miles from the Tijuana border. And it is this very serene and beautiful wine destination that, you know, if you close your eyes, you may think that you're in like up in Napa or Sonoma, but no, you're in Mexico. Yeah, the vibe too, it's like more chill than say like other American areas. It's because it's Mexicanos were a little bit more chiller than Americans usually. Yeah, Valle Guadalupe, it really does provide that sense of like old school, wild, wild west vibe. The community there, it's less than 10,000 people who live there full time. And they've really done a great job of becoming like an anti-destination or an anti-border city. Despite it being so close to the border, it feels like you're deep, deep in Mexico. And like an old Mexico, there's a lot of dusty old roads that you may need a four by four still. There's a lot of bushes. There's a lot, you know, it's still California, but it's on the other side of the border. But it's still California. So you get a sense of what California may have looked like in the early 1900s. Yeah, it's very Campireño, very like country style. So it's become a tourist destination. Where are most of the tourists coming from? So, you know, when you're there, you may be surprised because when you're reading the menus, some of them are straight up in USD and dollars. And that's because Valle has become a global destination, especially in Mexico. It's become if you're a food or drink person. You're going to most likely go to Oaxaca, Mexico City, or Valle Guadalupe. Most of the tourists are coming from L.A., San Diego, sometimes Arizona, but up to 70% of the tourism is American. However, recently, there's been an uptick of presas for Mexico City. <laughs> Fancy people. Fancy moneyed people from, you know, from Mexico, whether they're from Jalisco or from Mexico City, and they have really made it a destination as well. So... 
sometimes when you're there, you know, there's a bunch of memes and jokes about all the Mexican fresas who show up in their Indiana Jones hats. And that's kind of become the Valle hat. <laughs> and fresa, by the way, uh, literally translates as strawberry, but again, means a super fancy kind of kind of like a yuppie from the 1980s, so to speak. Well, wherever you hitch where you live to the tourism economy, it's like a double edged sword, Javier. Like you want more tourism. Because that's going to give you money. That's going to, you know, boost up the economy, but not so much that the area starts losing what makes it so special. So what's been the conversation and via about that over the past years that just gotten bigger? Yeah, you know, that's that's the thing with Mexico. Of course, tourism is welcome in any part of the country, really, because, you know, it is still a developing country. So any kind of flow of money that can support the residents and the businesses is welcome. However, it can become too much of a good thing, especially in, in this environment there's very little water. It has severe drought issues. It's lacking a lot of the infrastructure that makes it, you know, a city. So if you get a flat tire out there, you may have to wait a long time because there's no police, there's no fire trucks, there's no ambulance. So you really have to be careful with how much it grows. And that's been the conversation lately. COVID pandemic has really made the community and the leaders rethink about how they're going to move forward. Because in the past, they have like these harvest celebrations where they invite American chefs like Nancy Silverton to come and do food events. Now, I actually asked that question to Javier Plasencia and he's like, yeah, we are rethinking that because this recent interest to bring a lot of people here has made us realize that we need to be careful with Valle Guadalupe and we, and we need to take care of it. We'll have more after this break. So, Javier, you covered this protest that happened on La Ruta del Vino, the wine highway, which is the main corridor around the Valle de Guadalupe. What happened? So, you know, this is almost out of like a, a movie or something. This is the exact narrative that so many of us who love food and culture and drink, you know, you would think this would happen somewhere in like the Basque country in Spain, or you would think that this would happen somewhere in France with these longer established gastronomic kind of cultures. But no, this happened in Valle Guadalupe and it was literally a march of chefs, cooks, dishwashers, winemakers, all chanting that they want to keep Valle a destination for wine. There were horses, there were lots of banners. The group was about 300 people. The main group that is behind it is actually a group called Por un Valle de Verdad. For a Valley of Truth. Yeah, and they're a campaign that argue that Valle's extremely delicate ecosystem and scarce resources, like its water supply, cannot afford such a large-scale development and just this influx of people and, and you know, interest. Because there's rumors of casinos, of shopping centers. I think a lot of venture capitalists in Mexico and maybe around the world are looking at Valle Guadalupe and see how they can exploit it and make money off it. What triggered the protest, though, was a planned concert that was expected to bring in 25,000 people in one day. Who wanted to hold that concert and what did they have to say about the protest? So the artist that wanted to hold this concert was Cristian Nodal, who is a heartthrob. It's a new genre called it's like pop corridos. So a lot of romantic kind of ballads. It's a very charming and handsome man out of Sonora. It's interesting, though, because I looked really deeply into this issue and, you know, he actually made a statement against this. He was like, yo soy un muchacho de, de rancho, y me, y me, y me crecí en los árboles. You know, I am a person that grew up in these very humble environments with the trees. He actually separated himself from the damage that was done because that was what everyone was fighting for, why everyone was upset because this corporation came into Valle, plowed down all like the trees and the shrubs and the animals 
to make space for this huge temporary venue. So when this campaign started to gain momentum, Cristian Nodal actually released a statement where he was like, you know, I don't stand for this. I was simply hired for this and the concert is getting canceled. So it didn't happen, but could the same thing happen all over again the next time that same company wants to do something? They plowed over acres of land. So are they still planning to do something there? That's the thing with Mexico, you know, it's going to be interesting how the future unfolds when it comes to large events in Valle and the tourism of Valle, because this could have set a precedent because, as you know, Mexico is a country of deep corruption in the government. A lot of the residents here argue that the company that plowed down this land didn't get the permits that were required. So is this going to scare future companies from trying the same? Who knows? It's Mexico, you know, it's wild down there. You have to really, really just stay tuned and see what happens next. And the name of the company is APM uh, Producciones, APM Producciones. And you see a lot of these protests in ecologically sensitive areas by locals who say, hey, like tourists, watch it, government, watch it. But the developers usually win. So how are activists in similar situation reacting in Mexico about what happened in Valle? I mean, they're ecstatic. You know, this was a big win for the eco community, for the tree loving, for the natural environment loving community in Mexico. What happened in Valle Guadalupe is an example of what is happening in the rest of the country as it deals with tourism coming from the U.S., right? You know, Gustavo, there's a famous dicho that is tan cerca de, de Estados Unidos y, y tan lejos de Dios, which means so close to U.S., but so far from God. Yeah. So <laughs> that's a very powerful statement because it really encapsulates the endless struggle of venture capitalists from the U.S. that want to make money in Mexico. And with that comes usually the destruction of the ecosystem. So can this be a turning point in Mexico's tourism where they value more their ecosystem and not so much tourists or find some kind of happy middle point? We'll see. The story you wrote for LA Taco has a pretty straightforward headline. It's, is Valle de Guadalupe over? So Javier, do you think Valle de Guadalupe is over? I, the thing with Mexico is that you can get comfortable there. You can get comfortable with, you know, if you think something is protected. I've been there many times and it really does take a community to fight off it turning into something that is not going to be anything like it was before. So I don't know. I think the days of old school Valle Guadalupe are definitely dwindling away. But now you're seeing a couple of more like natural wineries that are opening up there. Right now, there are over 200 wineries. This was 100 more from when I first started covering Valle or going there like five years ago. So it's growing at a lightning pace. The golden rule of the land is water. So who knows how much growth it can sustain with such little resources. So I don't know. I think stay tuned for the next chapter of Valle Guadalupe. Javier Cabral is the editor of LA Taco. Javier, thanks for this conversation. Thank you, man. I'll see you there. Coming up, a Valle chef on why he's protesting. Javier Plasencia is one of Mexico's most famous chefs. Known internationally for his fusion of Mexican and Mediterranean flavors, he owns two restaurants in the Valle de Guadalupe, and he also publicly supported Por un Valle de Verdad's protest in October. Chef, welcome to The Times. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. You're from Baja California, so you've seen Valle's development over your lifetime. How was it before he became famous? Oh, it was a very peaceful uh, region. It was, I mean, still beautiful, but... He had another vibe. I've been there for, my restaurant has been open for 10 years, but I, I've had that location for about 14 years. So I had like a couple of years where I just 
bought a trailer and I, I would just go there and hang out with my friends and do carne asadas. But a lot of it was just to think and create recipes. It was a place where I could read. I could get away from the city. Beautiful nights, you know, beautiful stars, of course. And eventually I said, you know, I, I just want to open a little restaurant with a Santa Maria grill and Caja China and do something, you know, for the people that come to the taste the wines. And that's how it got started. But it was very, very, very peaceful. Very chill. Very like not that much development, not the way it is today. No, no, not at all. I used to, I mean, I used to love being there at, at, uh, at night, especially. I knew by then it was going to be a big thing. Because everybody that came to that region, like chefs from out of town, people from the, you know, from the wine industry. I mean, you could see, you can sense that that place is going to be something really, really interesting and good for tourism. You can stop when you have these great wines in this beautiful region. You can stop, you know, people from coming. You go there and you immediately fall in love. Then you start in your mind thinking, oh, maybe I could buy a house here. Maybe I could do a restaurant here. Maybe I could be my own winer también. Yep. (laughs) Those thoughts were going through my head a lot every weekend that I was there. As you mentioned earlier, you opened a restaurant, Finca Altosano, in 2012. Really great restaurant. So you're one of the first big-name chefs to open a place there. So you want people to come to Valle. I mean, you wouldn't be opening restaurants there if you didn't. Yes, yes, I did. I mean, I opened the restaurant because I used to go every summer in August. We have the Wine Harvest Festivals. And back then, Mr. Lisiaga, who passed away some years ago, he had a small winery making great Merlots, and he had a beautiful home that he had a cava below his his house, a cave, bar, a cave, a wine cave, and he used to invite me there to try his wines. And for me, that was like very new to me to see his house in this beautiful ranch, which surrounded by vineyards. And then he invited me to cook at one of his festivals in August, and cooking outdoors, you know, cooking lamb and beautiful vegetables, olive oil. That like turned me on and I said, I want to live this life. And then he eventually started doing his his events every summer. And I used to just rent a home there. And then eventually I put a little stand selling Borrego Asado right on the street for, I did it for two or three years. Eventually I've, we found this this space where I'm at, I think Altosano and, and, and opened a little asador. And now, as you see, it's one of the restaurants that you have to visit when you're in Valle de Guadalupe. I mean, there's other places like Laja that opened before us and he kind of changed the game, you know, doing more upscale, fine dining with local ingredients. And yeah. Yeah. Every time I would go, it seems more and more restaurants are popping up. The last time I went, of course, right before the pandemic in 2020. But now just this past month, there was a protest against this proposed concert that was supposed to happen there. So why were people so upset about it? You know, just to make it clear, I couldn't be in the protest. I supported and I helped getting some people to go there and some of my staff and my family members. But it's because there's been some businesses that don't have anything to do with what we want in the valley, with the peaceful, the, you know, the good food, the great wines. There's some bars that have been opening lately that they don't belong there. And with these bars come the concerts and... It's not because of the musician or the band that it's playing. It, it could be tambora, it can be norteño, it can be uh, DJs, it could be whatever you want. It's not about that. It's just about that we don't have the infrastructure. Infrastructure, infrastructure. infrastructure. yeah. 
to handle that many people at one time. We don't have the right roads. We don't have, you know, there's not enough police security. We don't have enough ambulances because when you have this amount of people, I mean, there's going to be accidents and there's going to be, you get to attend the roads, you know, there's a lot of drunk driving and, and, and we don't need that. We don't, we don't want it. It's just not, why don't you go to the city? You know, it takes the peacefulness away and what really the value means. And it's not fair for the pobladores, for the people that live there, the locals. People get up at four or five in the morning to go to work. And when you have these loud concerts and things happening around, it's hard to live there. And we got to respect that, especially for the people that, that really live in those regions. Yeah, at your level, it's easy not to get involved in politics like that. But yet you've been outspoken about this overdevelopment and via on social media. Why? It's just I got to defend, you know, I want my grandkids and my kids to enjoy what I've enjoyed for so many years. And I think the Valle Guadalupe, it's it's got so much potential, but people come for for its great gastronomy. And for me, I see it as a place where you can go, take your kids and go with your family, your your grandma and celebrate life and celebrate a great meal and uh, try the great wines and spend a couple of nights and be peaceful and enjoy the, the scenery, enjoy the stars at night. It's not a place to go party and get all drunk. You know, it's it's not that. And, and we've seen it more and more lately. And we I just mm. stop it. And if it's not us, the ones that have been there for a long time, I mean, I still want my grandkids to enjoy my restaurants and I got to protect it. I protect it. I'm not a politician. I, I don't do politics, but I really feel this, that I have to do something about it. Yeah, but you do have this voice and people will listen to you if you say, hey, folks, come in, have fun, but not in a way that you would in the city. People are going to say, oh, maybe I should pay attention to what uh, Chef Javier is saying. Yes, that's what we want. And that's what, what we want to get the word out. There's a lot of people that get it. And there's a lot of people from California and, and United States that come in and really enjoy the vibe and understand what we're doing. And they respect everything about it. And they have a great time and they come back. But there's some other people that just, they are coming. They don't know where they're at. They don't drink wine. They just want to party. They want cheap food. They want buckets of beer. And, you know, like the kind of people... It's not that I'm not, I mean, it's great to come to Baja and have a great time, but it's, it's just not the place to be, uh, to do that. Yeah, you're not opposed to buckets of beer, uh, cubetas. You're saying just, you know, go to Tijuana or San Diego or some other spot. We have some great spots for that. Yeah, in Ensenada, in Tijuana, in Tecate. I mean, come on. <laughs> Chef, thank you so much for this interview. Thank you for having me. And that's it for this episode of The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Tomorrow, in a rapidly heating West, it's people of color who are suffering the most. Our show is produced by Shannon Lynn, Denise Guerra, Melissa Kaplan, and Ashley Brown. Our engineer is Mario Diaz. Our editors are Shawnee Hilton and Lauren Rabb, and our theme music is by Andrew Eatman. Like what you're listening to? Then make sure to follow The Times on whatever platform you use. Don't make us the Puccia Podcasts. I'm Gustavo Arellano. We'll be back tomorrow with all the news in this madre. Gracias. <laughs>